So hey, last week we, it was 4th of July, and uh, we talked about freedom. And we saw that through Jesus Christ, we have freedom from sin. Uh, freedom from sin for what? And we looked at it and we said we have freedom from the penalty of sin, which means I have been freed. That's, we have freedom from the power of sin, which is currently we are being freed. And then finally, we have freedom from the presence of sin, meaning in a future day, we will be completely free from the presence of sin. And we learned and we looked that it's not the absence of sin in our lives that makes us right with God. That's an important thing for us to understand when it comes to uh, God church life, how you live your life, it is not the absence of sin that makes you right with God. It is our faith in Jesus Christ that makes us right with God. And it's an important distinction because uh, we will never be free or absent, there will never be an absence of sin in our life while we're on this earth. And so what that does is it sets us free from fear worry, and anxiety about our future and our eternity. Because otherwise, if, if it was the absence of sin that made us right with God, every time you messed up, you'd be like, I wonder if I'm going to heaven. I wonder if God's going to have me now. I wonder if I, I've got to go make up for that. I've got to do the right thing. Or I'm, and you just have this anxiety. Do you know that every time we sin, we experience God's grace? Every time you sin, you experience God's grace. You never have to wonder if you've prayed enough. You never have to wonder if you've eaten the right foods. You never have to worry if you've read your Bible enough. You never have to worry if you've observed the right holidays or you've followed the right rules. You don't have to worry if you've attended enough church services or if you've abstained from the proper things in your life. You don't have to worry if you're part of the right Christian denomination. You don't have to worry if you're good enough. You are free from that bondage. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. That being said, there's an issue that we need to look at. A trend in Christianity that's prevalent today that really has been uh, with a trend really all since Christ But it's this belief that since I am under grace, I can live however I want. That my lifestyle choices, the attitudes I hold on to, the priorities in my life, the hobbies I choose, my my recreational choices, the habits that are a part of me, that these cannot be questioned because I am under grace. God's a loving God. He has no expectations of me. He doesn't judge me. I'm free to live however I want to. You've either thought this or heard this in society. Well, this was a developed mindset and problem in the early church as well. And both Paul and Peter responded to it. And this morning, I want to show you their responses because it is a problem. It can be a problem. When you, when you come to the realization that you're under grace, and that is not the sin in your life 
uh, that separates you from God anymore. It's not, the, it's not the absence of sin that makes you right. It's like this freedom. Like, man, I can, I can really, it's my faith in Jesus Christ that saves me. So if I sin, I'm still going to heaven, right? And that our, our mind and our emotions and our passions uh, can start to lead us to, huh, you don't judge me, I can live however I want to. So let's look at their responses to this mindset. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, we saw last week, uh, Paul writes to the, uh, the Galatian people, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And we're like, I am free in Christ, hallelujah. Skip down to verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Problem number one, indulging the flesh. What is Paul saying here? What does it mean to indulge the flesh? This is the allowing of our passions, our desires, and our responses to take us wherever they want to. Right? There's just no check, so to speak, on our passions, on our desires, on our responses. Just, I can indulge the flesh. Wherever my flesh wants to go, I allow it to go. And he says, don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. You've probably heard or felt or thought, my salvation is secure. I can indulge a little. Or, God understands me. We're okay. Right? These are, these are a few lies we tell to ourselves, so that we can indulge the flesh. Eh, God's okay if I do that. After all, I'm saved by grace. If you ever in your mind think, it's okay, I'm saved by grace, that should be a warning flag to you that you're probably indulging the flesh. Because what you're saying is, I know God probably wouldn't approve, but I have the grace card. Right? Well, it's getting real in here. It's getting real. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, Paul said this, I have the right to do anything, or I have the freedom to do anything. But not everything's beneficial. And he says, I have the right or I have the freedom to do anything, but not everything is constructive. And he actually repeats this same phrase. Uh, previously, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says the same thing. He's saying, hey, I may have the right and the freedom to do it. Doesn't mean I should. Doesn't mean I ought to. Doesn't mean it's going to be beneficial or constructive. Well, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 uh, through 21, Paul lists the acts of the flesh, this indulgement of the flesh. And here are some of them. He goes, they're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. I mean, he's writing this right after the, he told us we were set free. In Christ, you've been set free. 
But don't use your freedom as an excuse to indulge the flesh. Oh, and by the way, here are, here are the acts of the flesh. They're kind of obvious. So it's obviously, he's saying, he says, you can't use your freedom to indulge your flesh and do whatever your flesh wants to, to be carried away by your passions and your desire and your natural responses. You know, we all have natural responses of the flesh to situations, whether it be uh, anger or jealousy or those kinds of things. That's what I mean by just natural responses. He says, don't use your freedom to indulge your flesh and allow your flesh to take you away. In fact, he, in verse 16 of chapter 5, he kind of gives us a cure, in how, a cure in how we should be moving forward, and that's this. He says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. So Paul is saying here, rather than uh, indulging the flesh, if you walk by the Spirit, those desires kind of will be minimized because you'll be focusing on the Spirit. So if you struggle with... Uh, indulging your flesh and giving in to these things, he says, walk by the Spirit. Meaning your focus on your life is uh, you're attentive to the things of God. You're listening to the Spirit. You're desiring to please the Spirit. You're, you're walking uh, close with God. The point is this. He says, don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh, which is, can be a problem when we understand the message of grace. Because the acts of the flesh aren't what, aren't what separate us from Christ anymore. We're connected with, with, with God through Christ because of faith, not by our actions. So it's not, a, it's not a whether I go to heaven or not anymore. What's the second issue we see? Peter writes about this one in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16. He says this, Live as free people. We've heard that encouragement last week we looked at. It. He said, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Problem number two, doing evil. Let's, let's be real and let's admit there's been a lot of evil done in the name of Christ. Uh, and if you, if you don't know or you disagree, you just don't know your history. Historically, lands have been captured and people enslaved in the name of Jesus Christ. Historically, wealth has been accumulated at the expense of the poor. Buildings have been burned and people executed because they didn't believe the right version of Christianity. These things are rampant from the first century till today. All in the name of Christ. Now, these and many others are obvious evils. We can sit back and say, oh my gosh, that's evil. Why would anybody do that? But there are less obvious evils that still fall in that category. In that same chapter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter talks about a lack of respect for authority. He says, submit to all the governing authorities. There's the evils of narcissism and insistence on our ideas and our wants being primary. There's the evil of Lack of love towards other people. The taking advantage of other people for personal gain. The mistreating of people who don't believe like we do. It's okay if we make fun of them or we put them down or we, think we, we, 
we feel in our hearts that they're just ignorant or less than us or any of those kinds of things. These are all evil. And evil done in Christ's name is still evil. Just because you tag Jesus onto it doesn't make it any less evil. It's still evil. We cannot use our freedoms and our rights to do evil and just say, oh, it's in Jesus' name. I'm advancing the kingdom of God. No, you're not. You're just doing evil. You're using it as a cover-up. And that's what Peter's addressing here. He's saying, hey, these things are evil. Don't use the name of Christ as a cover-up. Don't use your freedom as a cover-up to do evil. Hey, I'm free in Christ. I can do what I want. Don't judge me. God's my only judge. You're right. He is. And I would rather people judge me than God, to be honest with you. I would rather people judge me than God. These are, these are real issues. When we realize we're saved by grace, we can slip into these, which is why the church has historically gotten a bad name from society. Because we indulge the flesh and do evil in Jesus' name. And neither one of those represent Jesus. Peter says this in chapter 2, verse 11. He says, Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, we like to quote that, like I'm a, I'm a foreigner in this land, I'm just passing through, right? This, this isn't my home, those kinds of things. It says, abstain from your sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives. Here's the antidote. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. He says, hey, Abstain and live good lives so God will be glorified. Don't use our freedoms as cover-ups to do evil. So what's, what is all of this? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 9 through 13, Paul writes this. Be careful, however that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? What is Paul saying here? He's saying, hey, your freedom in understanding that it's not what I eat or what I don't eat in reference to the, the temple, that makes me right with God. I can eat that meat sacrificed to idols. That doesn't get between me and God. You might have that freedom to know that and to understand that. He said, but if you exercise that right and that freedom and you're causing somebody else's conscience to be uh, affected so that then they go and they eat, he says this, so this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. What is Paul communicating here? Paul's communicating this, that freedom comes with responsibility. William Barclay, a theologian, wrote this, Christian freedom is always conditioned by Christian responsibility. 
that we, we, we should enjoy the freedoms we have in Christ. We should recognize them and understand them and walk in them and live in them and enjoy every aspect of them, but they come with a responsibility. It comes with a responsibility to God. It comes with a responsibility to the people we live around. It, comes in a, it just comes with responsibility. Freedom is not being free to do whatever we want, but free to do what we should. Because when you're living under law, you're not free to do as you should. You have, you, you have to live by the law. If you're, if you're free to do whatever you want, then you're going to be driven by your, your passions and your desires, and in essence, you become a slave to your own passions and desires. You can't really live as you want because your passions and desires are dictating it. We talked about this last week, right? If any of you have ever been uh, addicted to anything, and instantly we all think of drugs and alcohol, but how about coffee or caffeine? How about sugar? That's my nemesis. These are all things that drive us, that f- you, we, we do behavior based on that addiction. It tells us uh, when you should eat, when you should drink a cup of coffee, when you should, Right? We're controlled by it. You can't do as you ought or as you want. It's, it, this is an easy example for us to grapple and understand what Paul's talking about here. You know why I enjoy fasting? I pull my body into submission and say, no, 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 you're not going to dictate to me when and when I shouldn't eat. I don't want to fall into the category of being hangry and think it's Okay. Oh, it's okay. You understand, I'm just being mean and rude and obnoxious to you because I'm hungry. See, I have a valid excuse. No, it's not a valid excuse. There's no excuse. There's no cover-up for evil. There's no cover-up for this. You're different. So I fast. It's nobody. You're not going to tell me. And it works. It works. It's... I know I'm getting off on a little rabbit trail here. You will, you will discover the control of your body because you tend to eat at a certain time every day. If you don't eat, what happens is at that exact time, your body starts growling, your stomach starts growling, and it tells you you need to eat. Even if you ate a big breakfast and your body doesn't actually need the nutrients, your brain says, no, 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 no. We eat at noon, Right? All of you know at lunchtime, all of a sudden, just rawr, rawr, you're right. And if you drink a glass of water and you say, no, we're not eating today, and you move on, by 1 o'clock, your stomach stops growling. It's, it's fascinating. But that's being controlled by our passions, desires, and these kinds of things. Anyway. In Romans chapter 8, verse 12 through 13, Paul wrote this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation but it's not to the flesh or to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So our obli- we have an obligation. Our, our freedom comes with responsibility. Because through Christ, the spirit of the law who gives life has set you free 
from the law of sin and death. Let me, let me wrap these two days up. You see, the law, when our focus is living under the law, it leads to a focus on our sin. But as we looked, we've been set free from that. We've been set free from having to focus on our sin. And am I right? Did I, did I make a mistake? Did I do this? Let me give you an example of having to focus on the law. When you're driving down the highway and you come around the corner as a police officer sitting there, what's the first thing you do? Test your brakes. What else? You look at your speedometer. Right? At least that's what I do. I go to everyone's like, oh, am I speeding? He's an enforcer of the law. The first thing I think about when I see him is I think, what have I done wrong? Did I do anything wrong? And I start focusing on, is the possibility that I've done anything wrong? That's being in bondage. The law is designed to do good, but sin seizes the opportunity of the law and makes me a slave to sin. That's it. Like, instead of me focusing, oh, look at that, a keeper of the peace. I'm so happy to see this police officer's car down there doing his job. Good job, buddy. Like, that's not the first thing that comes to my mind. The first thing that comes to mind is my personal flaws and sins. Like, what have I done wrong? Did I do anything wrong? That's because it's the law. And that's what, that's what the law in here and why most Christians come in and when they're in God's house, the first thing they think about is, oh, I'm such a bad person. What have I done wrong? And you start going through the litmus, litany of things that you've messed up with. That's bondage to sin. When you're in the presence of God, the first thing shouldn't be your focus on your sin. It should be your life in Christ. Oh, I'm so happy. God, you're here. I'm under grace. Christian life is so much more than avoiding sin until we die. That's not what Jesus came to set you free from. His purpose for your life is not to just make sure that you're a good boy or girl until he comes back. You know, just... Every, every week, examine yourself, examine yourself, make sure you're, you're living like you should. It's important to do that, but that's not the purpose of your existence. As this verse says, we've been set free from that. But free to do what? Free to do whatever we want leads to being slaves to our own passions and our own desires. But Jesus said this in Matthew 5, don't think I've come to abolish the law. Or the prophets. I've come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So Jesus said, didn't come and just say, hey, I came so you could throw this out the door and do whatever you want. He said, no, I came so that it could be fulfilled. So that you could actually do it and accomplish what's in my word and receive what's in my word without having to focus on the rules and the laws and all these kinds of things. So what does this mean? If we're free from the law, but Jesus came to fulfill the law, It means this, that we are free to know God apart from the law. That if the only way that you know God is a a judgmental, fearful person, when you walk in the door, you're just, oh, all I feel is bad. You only know God from the law's perspective. And God wants to set you free from that. He wants you to know him apart from that. The other part of him as well, who loves you, and wants to see you grow and flourish where you can run to his presence 
The reason why most of us have a hard time with our devotion time is because we perceive God as this judge that, like the police officer, when we go down the road, I've got to be on my best behavior. God's here. Right? Oh, I'm in God's house. I've got to be on my best behavior. Like, I, I mean, that's a starting point, but that's not the whole relationship. I don't want my kids to feel that way. Every time I walk in, oh, dad's here, we've got to be on our best behavior. No, I want them to know me as the guy who loves them and wants to see them grow. And I give my life for them. And that part of me, the, the part that embraces them, and I want them to know that side of me as well. So you can know God apart from the law. The second piece is you've been set free so that you can live for him. That you can actually explore the promises and the giftings God has given you and all of these kinds of pieces and you can just put those to work without fear or worry or anxiety. Am I, am I doing this enough? Have I followed the rules enough? Have I done this? Have I done that? Have I, like, if you're doing something wrong, God will correct you. Live for Him. And then when you're doing something wrong, you course adjust and you move on. You do... There's a tension here, and it's, it's important, and it's healthy, and it's meant to be here. This live free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh or do evil. That's a balance, right? And my heart so, so desires that, that we would discover this and live this. That when you come in here on, on Sunday morning, that you're not having to drag yourself out of, out of bed in the morning and go, oh, it's time to go to church because it's what we're supposed to do. Or, you know, when we come to worship and sing God, it's not like, well, this is, God's happy with this. This is what God wants for me, so this is what I'm going to have to do. But that you would wake up and say, oh, I'm going to get to be in the presence of God today. It's going to be amazing. The creator of the universe, the the lover of my soul, the sustainer of all things is going to be in the room with me and my friends and we're going to experience his presence. And he's going to change us and he's going to heal us and it's going to be amazing. Supernatural things are going to happen, things that I couldn't do on my own. That enables us to come in here and expect those things and not just come in and just we're doing our penance for the Lord so I can go on about my life. It's so much more. It's so much more. And this morning, uh, this, isn't, this isn't scripted or anything, that kind of stuff. I just feel like we need to pray and respond to what God wants in our life today. Because uh, church, for me, I, 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 I never want to just go through the motions. I, I, I never want to just go to church and be like, yep, yeah, doing check, church, check, did this, check, did that, go out, check, 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 the checklist of stuff. Like, if, if that's all that life is about, I, I'd rather go to the beach today. 
I'd rather, I'd rather just start the barbecue early. Right? If we're not going to expect something from God, if we're not going to apply ourselves, if we're not going to allow him to, to come into our lives and change us, and, and because he's a loving God, that any changes he's going to do in my life is, is because he wants to see me solid. He wants to see me grown. He wants to see me better. He wants to see me everything he's made. Just like if you have kids, that's what you want for your kids. Right? Well, God created you. That's what he wants for you, too. So anywhere he leads you is going to be good, even if in the moment it's hard. Even if in the moment it makes you cringe or struggle or this is too hard or you think you're going to give up. Like God says, no, no, no. This is the process for you getting stronger, better, greater, to accomplish more. This is it. And so I, I really just don't want to show up and go through motions on, on, on church on Sunday. And I hope you don't either. Because if you're just coming to church to check the box and hopefully now you're right with God, guess what? You're not right with God. It's just, it's true. God doesn't want you to come in just to check a box. He saved you for more than that. That was church before Christ came. You had to come and check the boxes. You had to do the right sacrifices. You had to sit a certain way and carry yourself a certain way. And men had to do this and women had to do this. And all of these rules and regulations. And, oh, check all the boxes. If I've got all the boxes checked, I'm right with God. That was church before Jesus Christ. Today's church is, no, no, don't worry about all the boxes. Just come and let's, let's have an experience. Let's love each other. Let's grow together. Let's let you live for him. That's the church God wants for you and I today. And, and if you step outside the line, so to speak, God has his way of, of showing us and saying, hey, um, you know, that's, that's indulging the flesh. That's a cover-up for sin. Turn from that. So can we respond today? And honestly, I don't even... I don't even know how we're supposed to respond. You know, we have this little unwritten church rule that there has to be some like light music in the background and create this ambiance in the environment to make everybody feel, you know, we don't even have to have that. All we need is God and your will. And do you want to know God apart from the law today? Do you want to know God is more than just this big guy upstairs who's looking to punish you or to point out everything you do wrong? Do you want to be free to know that God? Do you want to be free to, to live for Christ without the constant nagging and worrying in the back of your mind? Have I done enough? Am I good enough? Have I been to enough this? Have I, have I not done certain things? Have I... Have I all of that arguing in your mind. Do you want to be free from God so that you can live that way? I do. Can we pray that the freedom to live for Christ is realized in our lives? That yes, we have a responsibility and we have a, an obligation to that freedom, 
but we want that freedom realized in our life? Can we take a few minutes and just pray and ask God for that? Oh, Lord, we thank you this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you came to set us free. And, Lord, without even knowing it, we were we either slaves to our own desires and passions, or, Lord, we were slaves to the law, feeling like, hey, the only way that I can get right with God is to do everything and check the right boxes. And both of those have a slavery to them. But Lord, you came to set us free so that we can, we can be free. And not necessarily free just to do what we want, but free to do what we should do. And Lord, many of us in this room live under this thought process that you're just this, this big guy upstairs who can't wait to judge us and point out all of our faults. And, and that you're just angry with us all the time. Lord, I, it's such a wrong view of you, but Lord regardless of where it came from. We pray, Lord, and ask that you'd open our heart and you'd open our eyes to see who you are in your fullness. That, Lord, you're so much more. That there will be a day and there will be a time where you do judge the earth and point things out, but that's not today. Today, you, you told us in your word that you, you so love us that you sent Jesus Christ as a sacrifice for our sins so that we could have an opportunity to know, us, to know you in the fullness of who you are. So Lord, we ask that you, by your Holy Spirit, open up our heart and our eyes to receive that we would know you apart from the law. Lord, we also pray this morning just that many of us have just spent the most of our Christian life focusing on our sins and the things that we've done wrong and trying to either make good on those things or distance ourselves from those things, but our whole focus of our Christian life has been on our sin, our weaknesses. And Lord, we ask today that you'd set us free from that, that you'd set us free so that we could live for you, that the, the promises and the strengths that you've given us and your spirit that you've given us, all these things, Lord, that we could have a focus on those. Just experience life. Lord, we pray that as we live this way, that, Lord, you would remind us that we have a responsibility in this. Responsibility to others, responsibility to you, responsibility to ourselves. To not again be enslaved by the law or enslaved by our passions, but a responsibility to live for you within the freedoms that you've given us. Holy Spirit, I pray and I ask that you just come in this place or whoever's watching online that you just fill us with all of you. That if we're here today and we need freedom and we need life, that you would release us in that. That if we've lacked responsibility in our grace and we've abused grace, that, Lord, you'd convict us and you'd, you'd, you'd correct us, that we would do a course correction. 
Lord, we accept either one because we know that where you lead us is to what's good, to what's healthy, to what's true for us in our lives. Lord, would you move in this place? Wait another minute. Lord, we thank you. so many things. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that just comes and ministers to us exactly what we need. Today, Lord, as your Holy Spirit has spoken to us and tugged at our hearts, Lord, we respond with gratitude and gratefulness that you that you don't desire to leave us where we, where we are, but to move us towards greater to better things. So we receive today, Lord, what you've done and placed in our heart today, and we we ask that it would grow and take root. We pray, Lord, as we we change from from the sermon-type venue, and we just go upstairs and eat and play games, and we pray, Lord, that relationships would go stronger, that you'd connect us together. We pray, Lord, for your your blessing on the, the... Time afternoon may be extension, an extension of what you're doing uh, through the worship service and what you're doing you, through the preaching. But Lord, may may what happens upstairs be an extension of that. May you continue to encourage and to grow and to build us and strengthen us as a body of believers. Lord, we praise you and we bless you in your holy name. Amen.